have heard the Lord's Prayer. And even if they aren't religious, you just go to any religious event, oftentimes the Lord's Prayer will be recited. And some recite it daily. Some people multiple times a day. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure maybe some of you in here today may say the Lord's Prayer every day. I don't know. But what does that, what does that actually mean? Well, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It says, After this manner, Jesus says, Therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Or I'm sorry, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And tonight I just want to talk on this topic, and that is praying the Lord's Prayer. So if we could, let's just close our eyes and say a prayer for this lesson here tonight. Jesus, Father, we ask that you would just be here tonight, that, Father, you would just speak through me. God, your word is so alive, it's so important, and so is prayer. And so we don't want to take this topic lightly. We really want to, to tune in, to dial in mentally, Lord Jesus, into what it is you want to speak to us tonight. And so, God, I just pray, anoint me to, to accomplish your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this opening passage of text is usually referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's nestled in the middle of Matthew 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And so, um, well, at, right after Matthew 5, I should say, it's, it, Matthew 5 starts the Sermon on the Mount, and then this is kind of right in the middle of that Sermon on the Mount. Twice in the Gospels, we find Jesus sharing this prayer with his followers, once right here in Matthew, and then another time in Luke chapter 11. Matthew focuses his gospel, if you didn't know this, his gospel is really focused on the Jews, on Jewish people. And so the writing contains the fuller and the more traditional version of the Lord's Prayer. Luke writes his gospel to more of a general audience, and so his writing is a little bit more of an abbreviated, an abbreviated version. Um, so you could say that Matthew might be me preaching, and Luke might be all the other preachers that preach shorter messages, and you guys are excited when I'm out of town. And so, but uh, in both places, the passages start with the words, when ye pray, when ye pray, which is interesting in itself because there is an expectation from Jesus Christ that people pray. He says, when ye pray, another time he says, when ye tithe or when ye give. And so, you know, people will say, well, he doesn't teach these things in the New Testament. Well, when, when you say, hey, when you do this, if I tell my kids, hey, guys, when you brush your teeth tonight. Boom, 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 boom. There's an expectation there that I think they should brush their teeth. Now, that doesn't mean they always do, but I expect them to, all right? And so he says, when ye give, when ye pray. And so now he goes from there, and he gives exact instructions. Jesus arranged words to his followers really as a sample on how to pray. And this may be why some people will feel to repeat these exact same words every single day. Now, I am of the opinion that it is okay to pray the Lord's Prayer just as it is every day. If you say, are you telling me it's a sin? I wake up every morning, the first words out of my mouth are, our, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And you say these words every single day. Um, that's fine if you, if you want to do that. But Jesus' intention here 
was not for humanity to just recite what he said. Okay? He said, when you pray, pray like this, not repeat after me. He was saying, when you pray, let me give you a sample. Let me give you an outline. Let me give you an example. And so think about it. Just verses before the Lord's Prayer, just, just right before, in, in verse 7 through 9, this is leading into it. He says this. He says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner. Now, again, some people might want to grab that after you ask him. See, I don't need to pray. He already knows what, I, he already knows what I'm thinking. I don't need to pray. But notice it starts with when ye pray, there is an expectation there from Jesus that we should be praying. And so he says, but you don't have, he already knows what you're thinking and you don't have to go through the vain repetitions and work through all of these different things. He says, no, when you pray, he knows what you need before you ask him. But now after this manner, therefore, pray ye. So when you pray, don't just go through vain repetitions and here's a sample of how you could pray. Now, I don't think he would mean don't use vain repetitions, but now from, the, now from this point through the rest of your life, repeat these exact words mindlessly. Okay? And look how the New Living Translation puts it. He says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again. So I think we have to be careful. Now, let's not come to a prayer meeting just over and over and go, Jesus, oh, Jesus, mighty God, Jesus, mighty God, mighty God, Jesus, mighty God. Again, sometimes I'm wondering if Jesus is like, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I, am, I am right here. Yep, yep, I'm here. I'm, imagine if you were to communicate with your spouse like that. Just wake up in the morning. Just like, Jackie, oh, Jackie, wonderful Jackie. Hello, Jackie. If she didn't have her coffee, I'd be dead. If she did have her coffee, I might just get told to shut up. I don't know, but... Jackie, oh, Jackie, Jackie, wonderful Jackie. How are you, Jackie, today, Jackie? Jackie, you are wonderful. I mean, like, at some point, it's like, enough. But yet, we pray that a lot. So, we don't want to just mindlessly verbalize words. Be intentional about the communication. And so, Jesus, he says, don't just, don't just repeat words again and again. Jesus was never just calling us to repeat words that are not significant to us. If the Lord's Prayer has significance to you and you repeat that each day, great. No one is saying that you need to stop praying that. Pray it. Don't stop. But just don't let it become an empty thing that you do every single day just because somebody told you you should do it sometime. And so you just wake up and just like repeat these words and don't even think about what you're saying. So Jesus starts out, let's look at this here, and we'll see what this transpires. My, my, my plan is just to talk tonight about this, but maybe it goes into next week. I don't know. So Jesus starts out, and he says, let's, let's take a look and pray like this. So Matthew 6, 9, he says, after this manner, therefore, ye pray ye, and now he gets going into it. He says, our Father, which art in heaven. We're stopped there. Using the word father for God was actually not all that common in the Old Testament. 
Certainly we think that, Father. Oh, Lord, Father, God, you're good. Oh, Lord, you're our great heavenly Father. In the Old Testament, that was not necessarily the case. It was only used 14 times in the entire Old Testament as a description for God. 14 times out of 39 books. Jesus starts and uses the term on his very first New Testament teaching of prayer. Tell him, hello, whoever shows up. So on his very first New Testament teaching of prayer, he uses the term father. The word for father in Greek is pater, which is where we get words like paternal or patriarch. And later, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus adds the Aramaic word Abba to this expression, and he says Abba, Father. Mark 14, 36, he said Abba, Father. So he puts these two things together, all things are possible for you. And so Jesus always prefaced his prayers with Father. Now, the only time that we find really he did not do that is on the cross where he recites a, a messianic psalm, and what does he say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is Proverbs 22.1, or I'm sorry, Psalm, well, the 22nd Psalm, the first verse. And so he says, my God, my God. When we call, when we call on our heavenly Father, we admit that we are only children needing his assistance. So right off the bat, our Father who art in heaven. First statement is I'm coming before, which in our day and age, just because somebody's a father doesn't mean that they're respected. But certainly, we read Scripture, honor thy father and mother, that fathers and mothers in, in, in Bible times and still today were, were deemed worthy of respect. And so, the very first words, he says, let me teach you for the first time in this New Testament how to pray. Let's start here. Our Father which art in heaven, who art in heaven. He says, when you come in, I am understanding my role in comparison to you. I have a reverence. I have respect for you. And I know that as a child needs a father, I am in need of you right now. I can't just provide for myself. I can't just, you know, our kids might get smart, Alex, sometimes. Be like, well, I'll just do it myself. Good luck. You'll be back in about an hour, okay? And so he says, our father, which art in heaven. And so... We voluntarily relinquish control and place ourselves under his authority. This helps to take away the pride and the arrogance that can take place in the human heart. To come in, our Father, I understand that I might try to get a lot of answers and do a lot of things myself, but I know in this moment I want to start off understanding who you are and who I am. I think when we go into a deep time of prayer, one of the first things we need to understand is who he is and who we are. And so we voluntarily relinquish control. As a man who was fully human and divine, Jesus knew his power came not from his human strength, but his divine power. We too have to know where our help comes from. Therefore, we need to begin our prayer time focusing on him, worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords, coming into his presence not walking in going, hi, uh, so here's my list today. If you could help me with this, this, this. I need a job, a promotion, a raise. I need a spouse. I need a car. I need a new house. I need carpet for my living room. I need, you know, like, no, I come in by going, Father, you are worthy. You are worthy of worship. I am not going into anything else right now except for the fact that 
who you are, your power, your might. You are the one who spoke the world into existence. You are the one who has all power and authority. No one is like you. You can look through the, time, the sands of human history and no one, there's no other God like you. And so opening up my prayer time gets that perspective and it, and it teaches our flesh something because very often we don't feel like worshiping. We want to come in and complain and give them our list. I had a bad day. It's been a horrible morning. Can you please help me? Well, sometimes we feel like we're in a hopeless situation. But it's really powerful when in spite of that hopelessness, I'm going to set this flesh aside. God, you are the one who controls all things. The entire world is in your hands. You spoke things into existence. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear because you, you already told me you're the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. You're the first and the last. And so I'm somewhere in between the first and last of the, uh, the alpha and the omega. I'm sitting here in the middle sometime. I'm in that place called the in-between. And I know you already know what's happening here. And so opening up with that puts perspective in your prayer time. And then he says, hallowed be thy name. Since we have entered into prayer by calling out to him, then it's understandable that our first objective is to sense, again, his nearness and his majesty. His name and his presence are hallowed. This means what? Holy, revered, set apart. That he is, his name is powerful, it's holy. And so we we approach him in humility, not heady or high-minded. He is not... He's not honored to hear from us. I think sometimes we, well, church, make sure you pray tomorrow. Make sure you pray. God is waiting on you. He's honored to hear from you. I think we're honored to talk to him. Okay? We're honored. He's not just, he's not just sitting there honored to hear from us. We are honored to come in his presence. You study the Old Testament that you couldn't just walk into the, old, into, the, into the holiest of holies and chat with God of the earth, okay? The fact that he took on flesh, shed his blood, we now can come into this most holy place. We can come in with boldness, Scripture says. I certainly don't deserve it, but when I come and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, because I'm coming in with a reverence for who you are, a a fear of the Lord. Look at, get the book, Fear of the Lord by John Bevere sometimes. We did a series on it once several years ago. But in some ways in our society, in our society, we have lost the fear of the Lord. Fear does not mean that, oh, I'm scared, oh, but it's a healthy reverence, it's a respect. And so he, he knows that this name is, is hallowed. We approach him in humility, and, he's, and, and, and we're honored to go into his presence. The condition of our hearts determines how we view our encounter with God. If we're hungry and humble, we will find that experience in prayer to be fulfilling and strengthening. But if we're sinful and proud, we will enter his presence and find it to be empty and even fearsome. God forbid we'll find it to be a waste of time. And a lot of people who do not pray, it's because we either don't find it fulfilling, because anything that we think is of of worth or value, we will make time for that thing. 
And that's why Andy Stanley talks about choosing to cheat. Every single day, you have a list of things you want to accomplish. The things that will get accomplished first are either the things that scream the loudest, that are under deadline, or the things that you value. So oftentimes, people get to the end of the day and they feel guilty because, oh man, I meant to pray this morning. I'll, try, I'll shoot for tomorrow. Man, I meant to pray today. I really did. I, I, it's just the day got away on me. How does the day get away? Because we set something up that was of higher importance of value than that time of prayer. So for sometimes, that, that's why well, I got I to I punch a time clock. I punch a time clock at 7.30 in the morning. And so it's nothing to do with me. I, I, I didn't have time to pray. Well, y- yes, you did. It's just you valued you put value on the extra time in the bed, hoping God would speak to you in dreams and visions, <laughs> instead of rising up and saying, no, this is a, this is a time, this is, this, is not, this is not up for, up for grabs. This is not, it's non-negotiable. Really, that's kind of all the things of God. This is what happens with money, too. He says, when you give, when you pray... Well, I meant to give a tithe, but I spent it all. Why? Well, because I treated myself to something else and spent the Lord's money. I have none left over. Well, that's why he calls it the tithe, which is the first 10%. Then you never run into that. That's kind of why I like to start my day with prayer, because it's the first percentage of the day. It's not the leftover. It's not the, I'm hoping to get some time before dinner tonight. It's not, hopefully the kids will go brush their teeth and go to sleep so I can have some time before bed. That doesn't happen in our house. So, so it is saying, God, I am making sure that my time with you is unhindered. It is hallowed. It is You are revered in my life. Your name is revered. Who you are. There's nothing that is going to come between our time together. I have to protect that time. I have to fight for that time. Because if you're not willing to fight for your time with the Lord, something will conquer it. Something will conquer it. It might be the boss. It might be a deadline. Well, some people say, well, yes, I try to wake up in the morning, but I struggle. I, I just can't get up in the morning. What time do you go to bed? Well, depends on when the, the show ends. It depends on how long I surf Facebook for. It depends, well, maybe you just don't put the phone next to your bed and you go to bed earlier and then you'll wake up earlier and it'll be a beautiful thing. So a lot of this is just discipline. It's, it's us teaching ourselves to live a life of prayer. That's why scripture talks about Abraham went to the place at the, same, at the set time. How did Abraham become father of the faithful? I believe it's in little actions like that that are hidden nuggets of scripture where it literally says he went to the time and place where he spoke with the Lord. So Abraham became faithful because he said, this is where I'm praying, this is the time I'm praying, and nothing will get in the way of this. This is the time that I communicate with my Lord and Savior. And so, no doubt, I think every one of us here intend to pray tomorrow. I, I, I doubt that anybody's here watching online that are like, 
Are you kidding me? It's worthless. I'm not wasting my time. I don't think anybody's going to say that. But I also don't think we're all going to do it. Why is that? Because intentions don't translate into actions. That will preach in a lot of different ways. But if we have intentions that say, I'm going to put a plan with my intent, I'm going to fight and I'm going to defend this because it's valuable. It's more valuable to me than anything. I'm going to be a better employee if I pray. I'm going to be a better spouse if I pray. I'm going to be a better parent if I pray. Amen? And so some also attempt to serve God out of duty. You know, well, that's right. He preached about prayer. I'm going to feel bad tonight at bedtime if I don't pray. No. Our approach to God should never be out of duty. I used the, the, I used the, the, the oh, Jackie, you are wonderful. Jackie, Jackie, hello, Jackie. Good to see you, Jackie. Well, again, going back to that spouse example, if I just, if I just woke up and I said, do I have to talk to you today? I mean, we just talked Sunday. I'll talk to you again next Sunday. Maybe, I'll, maybe let's chat on Wednesday for a while, but do I have to? Fine. Hello, Jackie. You're wonderful, Jackie. Oh, Jackie, you're great. See how, I, see how funny that sounds? But yet. But yet. It's not duty. We, should, we approach him with joy and delight. In her case, she probably would like me to talk to her less. This is one of the... You notice she didn't go, no, honey, she just laughed. And we're getting ready to go do a marriage retreat in Colorado here. This is one of the reasons I believe Jesus was not telling us to pray with daily vain repetitions. He wanted something fresh, something new from our pursuit of him. He likes a new song. His mercies are new every morning. You study, he gave us a new heart and a new spirit and a new life, and there's going to be a new kingdom. God makes all things new. I mean, there's just a lot of new stuff to celebrate in Scripture. So I don't want my relationship to always be old. There's things I want to bring him new things. I want to worship him in new ways. I want to sing new songs. I, goodness, I even want to bring him new problems, okay? It's just not the same old one. Like, I want new. I want to keep my relationship with my Savior fresh. And so he's looking for something genuine, just like any relationship even here on earth. And then verse 10, he says, thy kingdom come. In the first part of the Lord's Prayer, we're we're, we're to focus on God. We are to praise his name and then move into a more of a futuristic speech. It goes from, hallowed be thy name. Father which art in heaven, you are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now we start to look a little more futuristic. A kingdom is a king's realm. It's dominion, domain, dominance, influence. Within the kingdom, the king's word has total authority and might. Okay? When such language is applied to the king of kings, his kingdom simply knows no boundaries. He is eternal. He's omnipresent. Our prayers invite God to reveal his might and wisdom in the unseen and the seen worlds. 
The kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, both terms are used in the New Testament, is a broad subject. One of the more confusing aspects of the kingdom is its both nearness and remoteness. If you really let that sink in, think about it, okay? The, it's the nearness and the remoteness. It has a now factor and a not yet factor. Some of you are going, I don't know, that's interesting. Study the New Testament, you will see this. The kingdom is come. The kingdom's on the horizon. The kingdom's here. The kingdom's not yet here. And so it's this, okay, it's, it's a now and a not yet premise. So the Lord now rules in our hearts. So we can say the kingdom has indeed come. God took on flesh. He manifests himself in flesh. He came to this earth. He bled and died on a cross. He rose again. He filled us with his spirit. His kingdom has come and gained victory upon this earth. Yet, his rulership is not yet complete in the affairs of humankind. Because even though his kingdom has come, we have not seen his kingdom in its absolute fullness yet. The day will come where he shall rule entirely upon this earth. Philippians 2, 10, 11, he says that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in the earth and things in, uh, or things in the heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, that has not yet happened, but it is going to happen. The invisible king will become visible. The unseen king will become seen. Mark chapter 13, verse 26, it says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also will, also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Futuristic kingdom coming, not yet here, but we have an element that has come. No matter what the world looks like now, God's kingdom is soon coming to the earth. And we're taught to pray for this day when the king is seen and his kingdom comes. This serves as a reminder that the present world that we're in, it's, 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 it's momentary. This, what we are experiencing here, this will not last forever. A kingdom comes that will right wrongs, heal wounds, and restore paradise. And that kingdom is not yet here, but it's coming. And so when we cry out, thy kingdom come, it's an abbreviated prayer, really. It's just a couple of words that shows how we eagerly anticipate the Lord's soon return. So the, the early church greeted one another with the word Maranatha. This word means come, Lord Jesus. Does that mean that every time you pray, you have to say thy kingdom come? No, but he says when you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, oh, the worship, hallowed be thy name, the, the honor, the, the, the understanding 
understanding that this time with the king of kings, it's, it's, it should be revered, it should be protected, it should be set apart. And then he says, thy kingdom come, that, that my prayers are not just on, Lord, give me a car, help me get a nice clothes, a new suit, a new electronic, help me to have. No, it's, it's, it's understanding that, no, when I'm praying, I'm looking forward to what has not yet come, but I'm eagerly anticipating that my prayers should be eternal, that my prayers should be heavenly. That doesn't mean you can't pray for the, the, the momentary things that are in your life. Absolutely. But as you get into that, before you even get there, before you give them the wish list, make sure that you're going, God, Lord, help me to understand things of eternal value. Who, who can I disciple? Where can I make a difference? Lord, help me to see the, the spiritual realm through your, through your eyes. Help me not just to look through physical eyes. Help me to understand that, that what I see right now is not what is lasting forever. Thy kingdom come. And then he says in verse 10, thy will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us that we are most like God when we worship him in three ways. Giving, fasting, praying. Giving, fasting, praying. And so if you're looking at spiritual disciplines in your own life, if you're not giving, fasting, praying, according to what God defines as his follower, we are lacking in some way. He's calling us to be givers, fasters, and prayers. And so by doing these things, God can be seen in us. In, this, in these areas of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus bids us to press further. We not only should permit God to be seen in our lives, but we should also seek for his will to be seen and obeyed by all the earth just like it is in heaven. That's why he says when you pray, pray like that, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. My goal is not just, Lord, one day I can't wait. This place stinks. I hate it around here. This is miserable. Just get me out of here. You know? No, I'm praying, God, I want heaven to come down. I want, I want to reflect you. I want to make disciples. I want to help. I want to be a giver, someone who prays, someone who fasts. And I want to begin to in, in, instill that in all the lives around me of people that I touch on a regular basis. Lord, let your will be done on earth. And so powerful things can happen when the earth reflects heaven. Several times in the New Testament, Jesus mentioning, he mentions binding and loosing, which oftentimes is very much taken out of context. But here's one of these times in Matthew 18, 18. He says, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus indicates that we are to pray heaven's reality into earthly existence, really not vice versa. And this is very much in a salvation type context where he empowers Peter, empowers the disciples. When he looks at Peter and says, I'm going to give you the keys. To what you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And so it's very much a, a what they were going to preach, what they were going to believe, what they were going to live, what they were going to teach others, the disciples they were going to make. But that kind of power does not come from this earth. It comes from heaven. And so when we pray in alignment with God's will, heaven can come to earth, meaning God's will can be accomplished right here. And that can be done through the power of prayer. That's why even in Chronicles, he says, if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, if they'll pray, then he lists what he can do. But he's not going to do at times what he can do until we do what we can do, and that is through the power of prayer. That is, hallowed be thy name. That is, thy kingdom come. That is an understanding of, of when we come into his presence, the authority and the power we have just by being in the presence of the king of kings. 
And then he says, Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. So after the salutation focuses heavenward, now Jesus invites us to bring our own earthly petitions to the Lord. In a sense, we have three thys, right? Thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. So our prayers should open with thy, not my. My problems, my desires, my frustrations, absolutely, he wants to hear those. But in Jesus' pattern of prayer, he does not say, and when you pray, pray like this. Where are you? I'm frustrated. My day's been horrible. Give me what I want. It is thy name. First and foremost, who you, not who I am. First and foremost, it is who you are, worship. Secondly, it's thy kingdom, understanding what is your will. I'm gonna, I want to understand your kingdom. I want, I want it to be about eternal things, not just about the temporary. Thy will. What's, what's your plan for my day? Sometimes we do that. We come into his presence. We say, all right. Here's my calendar. I got a meeting at 7.30. I got to drop the kids off. I got to get back. I got a lunch meeting. I got another thing that I got to do. I got a message to prepare. I got a, I got a board to go before. I got this, this, this. Please bless it all and then help me to have a good night of sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. And instead we say, what's thy will for my day? What is it your desire? What do you want to accomplish? I have 24 hours here or 12 hours or six hours, whatever you got, to give to you. What in the world could you possibly accomplish in that time? Thy will, not mine. And we get through those three thys, thy kingdom, thy name, or thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. And now we have three R's, ours, our daily bread, our debts, our debtors. Focus on him, focus on us. Our daily bread is the first one. It's the shorthand for all our physical needs. Human needs are many. They're diverse, ranging from the simple to the complex. If I said, who here needs food? Hands might go up. Who here needs a car? Hands might go up. Who here needs bills? Hands might go up. Who needs a, a filling in their teeth? Hands might go up. I mean, we, we all have different needs, right? But that is, give us this day our daily bread. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, they were never allowed to collect that manna for more than one day because God was teaching them this principle of, I'm your daily bread. And right now, you're looking to the provision. You're trying to store up wealth here, but it's just going to turn to worms and get mold and nasty because why? I want you to understand that in this wilderness, before you get to your promise, you have to get something through your thick skull. He says, Israel... You need to come to me every single day. And here we are in the New Testament, and he still wants us to know, hey, his word is that, is that bread of life, and he's the bread of life, and we need to come to him, to his word, every single day for that nourishment that we can't just get one good word on Sunday, and then we eat again next Sunday. We give us this day our daily bread. We know that we have daily needs, and we want to come to you every single day for those and so scripture tells us that God knows what we need before we ask. We approach him directly with, with our requests. We don't have to, to be fearful. Go ahead, ask him. Make the request known to him. He says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you'll find. This is an invitation to come boldly before the throne of grace. You don't ever have to be fearful to come before God if you come before him, as he says, with that humility, with that repentance, with that right mindset. That's where I start. 
Okay? And so then he says, uh, 6.12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Provision is to both the outward man and what forgiveness is to the inward man. And we need both. In Matthew's gospel, sin is portrayed as a debt that we owe. In Luke's rendering of this prayer, sin is presented as a trespass. So you got a debt that you owe and a trespass. Sin is going beyond the boundaries of God's will and trespassing into forbidden territory. Doesn't that remind us of Adam and Eve? Going past the boundaries of what God established and doing your own thing. Whether a debt or a trespass, we need the same remedy, and that is forgiveness. Once Jesus finishes the Lord's Prayer, we notice that he returns to the subject of forgiveness after that. And the centermost petition seems to gain his utmost attention. He knows how we struggle to forgive and to be forgiven. And as we forgive others on earth, we find forgiveness in heaven. He says, Matthew 6, 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So if we refuse to forgive others on earth, heaven's mercy is not extended. If you believe scripture, I read that. And so yes, forgiveness is unbelievably, unbelievable serious business. Because Jesus encourages us to pray one powerful yet one scary prayer. And that's this. Father, forgive me like I forgive others. Go ahead. How many of you right now feel totally comfortable just uttering those words? Father, Forgive me like I forgive others. Go ahead, say it. Father, forgive me like I forgive others. Are you comfortable? Because if you're not, look into that. Examine that. Why am I not totally comfortable going, Father, forgive me like I forgive others? If we're not, we need to examine that. Matthew 6, 13, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, James was the brother of Jesus in what was perhaps the very first book of the New Testament, the book of James. James said that God does not tempt man to sin. So what does Jesus mean when he bids us to pray that we don't enter into temptation? Well, the Jews prayed three times daily, morning, noon, and evening. And an ancient evening prayer contained these words. It says, lead my foot not into the power of sin and bring me not into the power of iniquity and not into the power of temptation and not into the power of anything shameful. Jewish prayer. In the same sense, we do not pray God will refrain from leading us into temptation. Instead, we ask God to help us not yield to temptation. All three of the opening adorations of the Lord are affirmative and declarative. Look at the prayer once again when he says, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then it says, and lead us not. We have our first, first time that it changes there. The petitioner asks God to not let them, instead of saying, do this, do this, you do this, us do this, Help us not to do this. This is 
a proper prayer because we know that God can keep us from failing, from falling, from going away. Jude 24 says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. We know that God is capable to keep us from falling. And so I'm going to pray, God, help me not to fall, not to stumble. When we pray for him to keep us from temptation, we declare him to be the deliverer, the sustainer. And so when I say, God, lead me now, help me not to give in, not to fall. I know you're capable of that. I in my flesh, Paul seemed concerned about that. I don't want to preach to everybody else, but I myself am being cast away. I don't want to be the one that preached to everybody, and I get tripped up. Well, if he's concerned, I want to be concerned about it. Lord, help me not to preach to everybody else. Help me not to walk this way and, and lose it. I, wanted, I need you to help me not to fall. And then he says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The prayer begins with God and it ends with God. I don't want to start my prayer with my wish list, but I also don't just want to start with him and then I end with my wish list. I want to start my prayer with hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And then I'm going to work into my other things, my eternal prayers. I'm going to work into the things of my wish list, my problems, my issues. I want to talk to him about that. I want to share that with him. I want to, I want to let him into what I'm going through. I want him to lead that and guide that and hear me. Even though he knows what I need, there's power in the spoken word. But then I want to bring it to a close when I go. And now, as I begin to wrap up this prayer, thine is the kingdom. Acknowledging you are the king of kings. You are the ultimate authority. I just shared a bunch of stuff with you, but I know that you are the one that sees all, knows all, does all, powers in your hands. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Glory doesn't go to me. You're going to bless these prayers. You're going you're gonna to use me to accomplish things, but I know the glory is not mine. It's your kingdom. You're the one who has the power to work through me. You're the one that gets the glory. And so it's, it's, it's understanding that in our prayer time, we're, we're, we're starting and ending with him. But as I get ready to leave that place, it's a reminder to me that if God's going to answer my prayers, I'm going to be a blessed man. If God's going to answer my prayers, I'm going to be a powerful man. If God's going to answer my prayers, I'm going to be an anointed man. If God's going to answer my prayers, I'm going to be a great husband and a great father. And so I need to know that, hey, I'm going to walk out of this place, but it's not by my power. It's by yours, okay? It's your kingdom, your power, your glory. It's me walking out of this time of prayer, again, remembering it is who you are. It's not who I am. But because of who you are, I can be who you want me to be if I will continue to keep that in the forefront of my mind. And so that prayer begins with God, it ends with God, and what God does is eternal, it's forever and ever. The earth will melt with heat one day, and the seas will evaporate, yet our God will continue to reign in his kingdom, where angels will cry, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And until we get to that place, we permit heaven to invade earth through our prayers, 
I want you to understand, you're not, when I say you need to pray tomorrow, that's not just a spiritual discipline in a duty of you as a Christian that you should wake up at six in the morning and just spend some time with God and check the box, be like, I prayed, I got it out of the way for today, you feel better? That's not it. It's, it's, it's you are tapping into the supernatural to where God, where heaven can enter earth through your vessel, where God can do miraculous powerful, amazing things in your life, your family, your surroundings, your workplace, your church, your community, that we, we, we tap into that through the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful when we call on him and invite him into our world. In just a minute, I'm going to say, these altars are open. Find a place to pray. And that's, again, it's where I can, I can it's not just, uh, oh, yeah, wrap up the service, drop a knee for a minute, and then just head out. No, it is an invitation to come into a place to, to I don't care where you bow, you stand, you lay, you kneel, whatever you do, but knowing that I'm, I'm entering into the holiest of holies. I'm going in before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I know that I'm walking in going, my Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That I know that I'm coming into this place. I'm not repeating those words necessarily verbatim, but it's that mindset of prayer as I come. God, you are worthy, Lord. I just heard a message that, that the power of heaven comes to earth through my prayers. Lord, help me not to take this for granted, but God, who am I right now? Whoever I am, it's because of you. It, whatever good thing is in me, it's because of you. God, help me to have an eternal picture. Help me not to just be limited to the things of the here and now and the moment. God, help me right now as I begin to pray that I could begin to pray over whatever it is that you begin to pray over. But, but prayer is powerful, but prayer is something that you're not always just going to wake up and be like, I can't wait to pray. Man, I can't wait to pray. I love prayer. prayer is awesome. There's going to be days that you do that, but there's going to be days that this flesh says, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm not fasting, I'm not giving. I could use that money for something else. I could use the sleep. Skip the prayer. I'll do it some other time. And we can always justify what the flesh desires. So prayer is amazing and it's incredible, but there's times that you have to sacrifice, you have to deny flesh something else it desires, knowing that, you know what, I'm going to get myself into a time of prayer. And if you say, well, yeah, but every time I lay in bed and pray, I fall back asleep, then get out of bed. If you say, well, yeah, but even when I sit on the recliner, I start to pray. Well, then stand up and walk around. Do whatever you have to do to get yourself to say, well, yeah, but I, I seem like I always start doing work at the, at the house. Then go pray somewhere else. Go to a park. Go to a church. Go somewhere, okay? Just get out of where, wherever, wherever you're, you've kind of fallen into a, into a rut. Shake yourself. Do something that mixes things up. If what you're doing now is not working, don't just accept and go, I tried. No. What is the most, literally, tomorrow, what is the most important thing you're going to do? There is nothing, there is nothing more important tomorrow. I know we all have agendas and calendars and schedules and, and, and things we want to get done. There is literally not a thing in your life that is going to be more important tomorrow than walking into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords 
in beginning to say, oh, my Father which art in heaven, I want to worship you. I want to pray about forgiving others. I pray that you would forgive me. I bring my petitions before you. I pray a prayer of forgiveness. I want to begin to intercede for people in my life, for disciples I want to make. I want to begin to give you thanksgiving, God. And of course, as I bring this to a close, I want to begin to worship you again, who you are, so that as I, I start with worship and remembering who you are, and I end with that, as I walk into this day, you are going to accomplish great and mighty things because thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Prayer is powerful and prayer changes things. And if you don't believe that, you're not going to pray because you don't believe it. But if you believe that, you will pray because you know that I, if I pray, prayer can literally change my day, my week, my life, and someone else's day, week, and life. Powerful. And the last thing we look at in the Lord's Prayer is the very last word. That is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just one word. Amen is translated loosely as let it be or it shall be. The message version says yes, yes, yes. It's not just a closing word. It's not just a Preacher gets up, doesn't know what to say, and just goes, amen? No, it's a, it's a lot more than that. Our closing amen is saying, yes, let it be. To all that God says and all that he can do. So when you get done with your prayer, there's a reason why people go, Jesus, in Jesus' name, bless the food, in Jesus' name, amen. For us, I think, if we're honest, it's just becoming, I've heard it since I was yay big, I just say amen. It's just the closing word. It's like the period at the end of the sentence. Maybe the exclamation point if you go, amen. I... <laughs> but it's more than that. It's a final word. It's a closing word. In effect, we are saying to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the ending, the first and the last, who is completely reliable and trustworthy, we are saying, I trust it. I believe it. I receive it. Everything that we just communicated about, it is finished. It's done. Amen. And so there's power. So be it. I receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as you stand to your feet tonight, I know that there are things to do and got to get up early and get that prayer time in and get the kids to bed and do all this stuff. But I certainly would not want to hear a message all about prayer and then just go, I'll pray later. I think that we should value these next few moments where we can block everything else out. We could bow a knee and close an eye and say, God, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can begin to find a place where we can make the Lord's Prayer, our own prayer as that template. And so I invite you right now to just come and to find a place where 
You can just block it all out. You can begin to focus on your Father and know that in these next few moments, it's more than just plugging a time clock at an altar before you leave a Wednesday service. It's about the fact that heaven meets earth. Supernatural things happen in the spiritual realm when the people of the Lord pray. There is nothing more powerful that you can do than what you're doing right now that is coming before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the Father, the Savior, the Creator of this universe who spoke things into existence. As you begin to pray, nothing is more powerful than this right here.